KCSD-FM Santa Barbara 91.9. This is Inside Isla Vista. I'm Afrika Iyer, the county news editor at the Daily Nexus, and this is the show that shares what's happening in and around Isla Vista and the UC Santa Barbara community. On tonight's show, we will be talking about the current housing crisis many UCSB students are facing. With fall quarter right around the corner, students are anxiously waiting on UCSB's housing waitlist and scrambling through Facebook groups hoping to find a place to live. Today, I will be speaking with Asumi Shuda and Sindhu Anandaville, assistant news editors at the Daily Nexus who reported on the housing crisis together. Hi, Sindhu and Asumi. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having us. We're so, so, we're so excited to be here. Awesome. So uh, I have a few questions for you guys about what you've learned reporting on the housing crisis. So let's get started. Can you tell me a little bit about what you know about the university's response to the current housing situation? Well, Amiga, there isn't much of a university response at the current moment. Um, there is currently a wait list for student housing with more than 1,000 students on it. And they actually sent out an email recently saying that their um, the student housing is pretty much at max capacity. So all these students are kind of just left to their own means and they don't really know what to do with their own housing. And um, yeah, so if you just want to elaborate on that. Yeah, in regards to, um, I guess, students' feelings during this current crisis, there's just been a lot of frustration is what me and Asumi found um, when speaking to students' frustration at university administration for leaving them in this kind of, um, I think as one student put it, this like liminal space between in, between the current upcoming fall quarter that starts in like less than a month and they don't have housing. Yeah, and just like just adding on to that, the long-term plan that UCSB is hoping to implement, and the actual term is called the long the long-range development plan (LRDP), and then it was developed in 2010. But basically, it's to predict the enrollment rate when it, until the year 2025, so that they can like have more student housing on campus for students by the year 2025. And this is like the big plan that they're trying to that they're using to ensure that more students have housing and to make sure that like housing shortages like this will never happen again but obviously this is happening in the year 2025 that's still like four years from now and the fact is that students don't have housing now so that's the issue just to um add on to what Asumi was saying there hasn't been any current response but there has been a lot of student outcry there was a petition that was published I want to say a few weeks ago and it basically requested that the university consider reaching out to local hotels and negotiating some kind of deal with them for like overflow housing, as has been like a precedent with other universities in the past where they've been able to negotiate with local hotels and house some students for like a temporary amount of time. So that's just the state that we're in right now in terms of response from the university and student feelings on it. I also think um, because like being in all those Facebook groups, um, I saw a post from Robin Unander asking if like students would come and, you know, who don't have housing and live in their cars. uh, Should the rec center be opened for showering and they'd provide like a safe 
parking lot or something. And that was crazy. Did you guys see that? What did you think about it? Yeah. Um, we actually, when we interviewed Robin Nanner, um, she said on the record that, um, one of the methods or like the short term solutions that she was thinking about was renting out a parking garage. She said to correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, so renting out a parking garage so that students who are going to be living in their cars can live in the garage. And the, is that wrong? No, no, you're not wrong. Rather, I just want to clarify. She rec- she said that a possible solution could be a like safe parking program where rather than like renting it out, I think they would just like allow students to park their cars and then have access to rec and facilities. But that is something that she put forward as like a possible solution to just give you an example of how many resources the university is currently offering. It's kind of sad because honestly, like if that's the resources that we're currently having to rely on, it really speaks to the magnitude of the current crisis. There's also been a lot of discussions surrounding like contracting with hotels and looking to see if that's a possible solution. Have you guys uh, heard about that? And if so, what is, where is that at right now? Yeah. So um, actually the petition that Sanu was mentioning earlier that, um, the solution that they were proposing was to negotiate with local hotel chains to provide more housing for students. I mean, my thoughts on that, I mean, the fact that we have to like go to that length, that the fact that the housing crisis is at that magnitude, it's like, that's literal houses, that's literal houselessness. And the fact that students are facing houselessness just because they want to attend classes here is really sad. And, um, so if you want to. Yeah, no, that, um, that possible solution is something that's had like a lot of student backing. And I think as well, if I'm not wrong, there was a, a recent uh, COLA meeting that Asumi attended where they also further discussed this kind of possible solution, if I'm not. Yeah. And um, just to add on to that. So at the COLA meeting, there's going to be a brief that's going to be out for that on the Nexus website. During the COLA meeting, the main demand that they were trying to create and present to the university was to have a remote option for classes for the fall of the quarter, quarter of 2021. And they emphasized that this is not asking for the entire quarter just to be remote like before because of COVID, but more just to have a remote option for students who just cannot come to campus because of their housing situation. And um, I personally think that's like probably the bare minimum that the university can do at the moment because there are students who are like, thinking about going houseless because they need to attend classes in person. So if we take away that pressure of taking classes in person, that will allow students to like perhaps stay home if that's like an option that they can have. So um, yeah, that's another solution that COLA and like other undergraduate organizers are thinking about. It's kind of sad because I was looking online and on Reddit, there are so many threads about how to live in your car in IV And there's like multiple threads. It's not just one person sharing their individual experience. It's multiple people saying like, well, if you're going to do this, here's what you need. And it's just really sad to see how regular of a solution, I guess, that is for so many people facing facing houselessness here. So you guys mentioned that you spoke with Robin Unander, and I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about uh, what it is that Unander shared with you guys, anything that really stuck out with you from that conversation? 
Yeah, so Unander is a legal advisor at the um, AS Student Legal Resources Center. And what she has been doing is basically giving well legal advice to students regarding their housing. And I think the biggest issue that she's been dealing with currently is um, scams that people are facing in student like Facebook groups for housing. Um, I should also mention that among these like student, these like Facebook housing groups, there's been like a huge influx of students. And Unander herself is an admin for one such group. And she said that like on a regular basis, like in one day, she'll get, I guess, like three dozen requests. And she described her group as like one of like the smaller ones. So just to give just to give like a sense of how many students are in these housing groups and how many are, are, are like potential scam victims. But um, what these she described a little bit about how the scams are like set up and how they're much more elaborate. And um, she also described them as like aggressive than the scam she's used to seeing. And because students are so desperate for housing, they will basically take anything that they can get. And it's resulted in students like losing like a lot, like losing money after putting down a deposit and thinking that they've secured housing. And like, I think like, I think one student lost like a thousand dollars. There have been a lot of these scams occurring online. I think that's one major issue that she's had to contend with. Here's Robin Unander speaking to her experiences talking with students who've been scammed while trying to secure housing for the upcoming school year. Yeah, so what generally has been happening is that somebody creates a fake profile, you know, because Craigslist is sketchy and you can't verify who the person is that makes the post because it's Craigslist. So, you know, we've come to trust Facebook more because you have to have a profile to, you know, go with your post. Um, So what people are doing is they create fake profiles and then they obtain pictures from, you know, older rentals that had been up that maybe never got taken down or from Zillow. So they, they steal those photos and the information. Um, they run it as their own ad and then people contact them. And so they then say, okay, fine, you know, here's an application or here's the information I need to know to run a credit check. So the person provides that. I've seen them provide, you know, all kinds of personal information, social security number, driver's license, um, bank account information, you know, all kinds of stuff. And then, because that sounds like legit, that's normally some of the information you provide when you're applying for someplace. And then the person will get back to them and say, okay, it looks great, you know, super excited to to either have you as a roommate in, in a case where they're renting a room, or, you know, yeah, you've got your group of people. I don't find it as much when it's a group of people. I find it when it's the individual so I'm looking to rent a room or I'm looking to rent a place just to myself. Um, but then the, the next part comes, okay, great. You know, if, while I'm looking into your credit, if you want to, you know, pay me a holding deposit to give you sort of first priority, you know, we could do that. And the, the students are eager because they just want to have a chance to just secure someplace. So they pay some sort of holding deposit and they think it's still, still on board. And then, the fake person will reply and say, okay, um, it looks great. Let's do it. Here's a lease. They propose a contract. I'll give them something. Some of the flags I've seen is that these contracts are not California law compliant. They're just finding them somewhere on the Internet. But it looks legit. And so they're like, okay, cool. I sign. 
Um, you sign, pay me a first month's rent deposit, and we're all good. Um, and then they transfer the money. So usually Zelle is the common transfer. Um, I'm trying to think if I've seen any scams where it goes somewhere else. Usually at that point, you're transferring money to another person. A different name comes up. It's not the same person. And sometimes it'll be introduced as, well, this is the landlord. Sometimes it'll be introduced as, well, this is the attorney. Um, like they have an attorney helping them. Sometimes it'll be introduced as, well, this is like if you're going to take my spot. Um, this is the other roommate, so you're just paying it. And all of this sounds normal, you know, as far as like with what the student's experience is or what you know they think should be going on. And it, what ends up happening is, well, now we get close to the time when they're supposed to be getting uh, keys. And there are no keys because the person has now disappeared completely. They're not responding anymore. They've blocked them, you know, and, and now we're like, wait, everything else seemed on board. And there's always some excuse about why they couldn't get in to see the place. And sometimes with our transfers or international students, they're not here yet. So they're like, that's fine. They don't have anybody on the ground here that can go check it out. So, Ashumi and Sindhu, could you tell us a little bit about how local IV leaders, like the Isla Vista Community Services District, have been approaching the housing crisis? Yeah, so um, we spoke to the president of the Isla Vista um, Community Services District, or CSD, Spencer Brandt, about the current housing crisis. And um, he first emphasized that um, this is like a code red situation. This is like a, very much of an emergency situation of um, students facing houselessness in light of the fall quarter. And um, he was saying that all these solutions that are being thrown around from like um, negotiating with local hotel chains, to providing a remote option, like they all need to. So it has to be an all of the above approach when it comes to dealing with the crisis right now. But he said that some of the long term solutions and like just conversations that they are working towards in order to make sure a crisis like this doesn't happen again in the future is so that um they want to talk about plans like the Isla Vista Master Plan, which is um, trying to analyze and um, work with the growth of Isla Vista within the next few years. And they're trying to figure out how, why it wasn't adopted and um, how we, they can amend it to be adopted. And I, like I mentioned earlier, the um, long range development plan that the UCSB is um, hoping to implement until the year 2025. Um, that is another plan that the CSC is hoping to back. And just in general, they want to allocate money in their budget for the next coming fiscal year to study the housing and planning issue in Ala Vista. Yeah. And just to add on, Spencer also spoke to us from kind of a personal point of view, which is interesting because he's not only an Isla Vista resident, but he is um, a UCSB alum. And he spoke to, to a little bit to his um, experience in the residence halls his first year. I think he lived in like a triple and he described it as something that is not a super great living situation. Emphasized that the, the 2025, like the housing plan that the university is putting forward is necessary, not just to address the current housing crisis, but to create a better quality of life for students because these cramped triples aren't something that should be the norm. And along with that, he also had a pretty interesting living situation for his second and third year. I think he described living in a garage with four other roommates. And that was something that he described as not just, and that's not something super rare. I think he's told us that those kinds of 
overcrowded living situations are also really common throughout Isla Vista. And the current housing crisis, in his words, isn't something that's necessarily new, but it's never been quite this bad. And his living situations and others like it are things that Isla Vista residents have had to contend with before. He, I think he also mentioned that his, um, his brother, his younger brother is an incoming UCSB student. He said he's like thought about how it's going to be when he's like a fourth year and like if it's going to be, if the housing crisis is going to be worse, if it's going to be better. In summation, like, like the housing crisis in Isla Vista. It's been an ongoing crisis, right? Yes, it's been an ongoing crisis, but just like he said, it's just never been quite this bad. Right. So let's hear from Spencer Brandt about his own experience is navigating housing as a former UCSB student. Um, when I was a student, as a second and third year, I lived in a garage with four people that was right off of DP. And for years, uh, students have been cramming more and more people into smaller and smaller spaces to make ends meet. Um, and at the same time, rents seem to perpetually rise. Uh, and it really, it impacts people's quality of life, their mental health, um, their academic performance, and really um, just, I think, erodes the uh, safety of our community as well. Uh, many of these units, unfortunately, are not uh, up to code, and there have been uh, violations for property owners who illegally convert rooms in order to try and fit even more students into their already crammed apartments. Brandt said that he speculates the reason for the shortage is that many people from Goleta and the city of Santa Barbara have moved into Ivy. That because there was more availability in the housing market last year, more folks moved into Isla Vista from Goleta and from Santa Barbara because compared to Goleta and Santa Barbara apartment prices, Isla Vista is actually more affordable in many ways. And because we have this housing affordability crisis all throughout the Santa Barbara region, um, that is very attractive and people lease those units up. And um, I think that that could be contributing to the problem. The underlying structural problem is that it's not healthy for a community to only have uh, such a low vacancy rate. It's not healthy for our community to only be able to house everyone that lives here by asking people to double, triple, and quadruple up. It's a structural problem, and we need more housing in our region to solve it. I know UCSB has now announced that it's their intention to build new purpose-built student housing by 2025, and I hope that project moves forward. It's long overdue, and um, the reality is that our residents need housing now, um, and I certainly hope that uh, the university is able to step in and support students um, in this time of need. So, Sindhu and Asumi, you guys also spoke with UCSB students who are on the other end facing the consequences of a lack of housing in IV. What stood out to you while speaking with them? Yeah, so um, the first student that we spoke with, her name is Alison Solis. Um, she's a second year pre-sociology major, and she's also a veteran student. So um, she is financially independent, and um, that does play a part in her current experience. So 
she does have housing at the moment, but um, just to get there was a very long-winded journey. Um, even her current housing, there's just countless um, issues with the apartment. Um, she said it's like renting a fixer-up. This is her exact words, renting a fixer-upper that um, you cannot fix. And um, she was saying that even like to fix issues, it just costs so much that so she's had to learn how to um, deal with um breaks and leaks and bugs by herself. And um, at the moment, she is on the hook for um, two different leases. And that's because of miscommunication with her the leasing company that they're not like sympathetic to her situation because she is paying for herself and making three times the rent of a place every month is something that is a challenge that you can't, that a student really should not have to be going through, but um, she is. And at the moment, she's paying for two leases, and now she's in debt. But she was saying that despite her being in debt, she's grateful she has housing. So that's just, I think that just shows the magnitude of the current housing crisis that we are going through. Here is Allison Solis, a second-year pre-sociology major, sharing her experiences procuring housing for the upcoming school year and having to pay rent for two different places. I've basically been on the hook for two leases now. And this is like kind of like the issue. So this apartment's lease started in June and my old apartment's lease doesn't end until August, like the end of this month. And so basically I've been responsible for paying like $3,000 in rent for the past like three months. Um, So whenever I spoke to the landlords here and I was just like, hey, like my lease isn't up there, like, for me, it's kind of just like if somebody's lease isn't up, I don't know why you would like would accept them or not like communicate. They do not communicate very well here in Ivy, um, like what is expected of you. And I explained that to them. I was like, hey, I, I'm still on another lease. And they're like, oh, you just need to figure it out with your roommates. So um, trying to like figure that out from like, because a lot of the leases here start in June and end in June, you know? So like trying to figure out like, whenever I would talk to people, it was just kind of like impossible to find a lease that started in September. So that's kind of why I was just like, this is kind of like the best option or like my only option, like is to just be on the hook for two rents, which is not great, but it's like the best that could come out of like a terrible situation. So I think you guys spoke to at least one other student. Am I right? So like Cindy was saying, Devin is a DSP student and um, DSP, I don't know if um, everyone knows, but it is a program for um, students with a disability. And although they are recovering from their injury, the fact is that they still need to find um, a housing that's like wheelchair accessible or at least close to campus. And I think it's just something that not a lot of people like think about like that's an issue that they have to constantly think about when it comes to finding a place and the fact is that their options are just very slim to begin with. Um, he's in the um, housing waitlist for UCSB student housing and they didn't get anything. And um, now they're trying to find off-campus housing, but that's not really going very great either. And it's, it's um, really sad that they have to not only care about like paying for their tuition while also um, struggling to meet her like his basic needs, you know. So it's very, it's it was very difficult to like hear that conversation because it's it's like they're still going through it right now, and there's countless other students who are in the exact same situation, not in exact same, but in a similar situation, 
And um, I think it just shows the magnitude of the housing crisis and also the lack of response that the university is having toward the crisis. Absolutely. And I should add that we also had some students reach out to us just to give statements like um, um, to our news email. And there were students voicing um, the possibility of them, not only the possibility of houselessness, but like the possibility of commuting like three hours just to be able to go to school. So that just to show like how dire the current crisis is. Here is Devin Tumalak, a third year communications major, sharing their experiences trying to find a place to live that's also wheelchair accessible. It's actually pretty hard to find places in IB that are wheelchair accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in a wheelchair for like six, seven months, um, which is a pretty long time. But yeah, it's pretty difficult to find places that are wheelchair accessible, handicap accessible in general, at least having somewhere that is within walking distance of campus. Like some of these apartments are so far away. I mean, people say, well, you should have a car if you're struggling. But also, you know, financial things, people just aren't, they don't have their licenses and whatnot. Well, thank you so much for coming, Sindhu and Asumi. It was really interesting hearing your take and your experiences reporting on this topic. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. And yeah, I hope this episode just kind of sheds light on the housing shortage and also what students can do now. So. You've been listening to Inside Isla Vista. Thanks for tuning in Wednesdays at 5 p.m. to find out what's happening in and around IV. I'm Ahmika Ayer. Our theme music is Siesta by Jother. And this is 91.9 FM KCSB. KCSB.